Welcome back to Groundwork, the podcast where we unpack farm policy and dig into the details of the issues important to rural America. I'm your host, Tom Sell. The challenges of 2019 underscored the very real need for a robust farm safety net. Thankfully, Congress used the 2018 Farm Bill to strengthen many of the programs farmers use to manage their risk back from the 2014 Farm Bill. Moreover, those programs have been supplemented the last two years with an additional $25 billion in trade aid through the Market Facilitation Program Payments, MFP, and disaster programs like the Wildfire Hurricane Indemnity Program, WIP, and WIP Plus, its, its 2019 successor. In this episode, we're going to recover all this ground because there are some important deadlines coming up. We're discussing the Agricultural Risk Coverage Program, ARC, and the Price Loss Coverage Program, and the sign-up choice in light of all that's going on in the ag economy and in DC. The ARC PLC sign-up is especially important as the deadline for enrolling in these programs is March 16th. It was originally March 15th. They realized that was a Sunday, so they've moved that to the 16th now. This will be the first time, and this is important, the first time that farmers can change their enrollment choice since ARC and PLC programs were established in the 14 Farm Bill. Now, the great thing, our special guest today is Dr. Joe Outlaw. He's joining us today from the great state of Texas. That's great, both in its expanse and its quality of her people. Dr. Outlaw is a renowned agricultural economist at Texas A&M University. From that position, he has advised countless farmers across the nation through many farm bills. He is also one of the most trusted advisors to policymakers in Washington, D.C. He serves as co-director of the Texas A&M's Agricultural Food Policy Center, that's AFPC. Welcome to Groundwork, Dr. Outlaw. Thank you. Glad to be here. It's always great to have you and great to talk to you. So, Dr. Outlaw, the 2018 Farm Bill made several important changes to ARC and PLC. What are the key changes uh, from your perspective that producers just should be aware of and how will this affect their decision making for 2020? You know, the, the first thing is I always kind of unpack this two ways. One is what does what do producers have to do? And they get two opportunities to make decisions this time. Uh, the first is to update their PLC program yield. So with regard to PLC, not a lot of changes to the way the program is going to work. But if a producer gets the opportunity to update their yield and their uh, uh, yields would increase, they really should be encouraged to go ahead and get that done because you never know, like you said, you never know how many times this chance is going to come along. Uh, in my career, it's only come along a couple of times, so you need to jump on it. Even if you decide you're not going to pick PLC, you need to update that yield. And then, obviously, the second part of the unpacking would be uh, – Producers need to make the decision, do I want to a price loss coverage or the, what, what we would refer to as price coverage, or do I want to stick with ARC, um, county or individual? And those are more revenue programs. Yeah, and Joe, you can update your yield regardless of whether you pick PLC or ARC. And, and don't you think it's wise people should, if they can, update those yields in either case? Oh, absolutely. Um, you, you've been doing this a long time. I've been doing this a long time. And this is the third opportunity that producers have had to uh, update yields since 1985. And that's a long time. So you want to take advantage of those every time you get a chance. 
Yeah. And I guess one other thing I've seen, Dr. Outlaw, comment on this, but I know, I know a lot of people, there's a, there's a factor to kind of index these yields back to the last time an overall update occurred, so five years ago. But So there's an index that may be, you know, minus, you know, uh, anywhere from five to 10%. Um, but there's also plugs and other kind of things in the formula that I've talked to some farms who really didn't think they were going to benefit from the yield update. But then once they went through the calculation and got the plugs for the counties and that kind of stuff, maybe they had one or two bad years. So they just thought, oh, I'm out of there. No way. Even though they had a couple of really good years. But are, is, is my consistent, my experience consistent with you, yours? Are you seeing some of these farms who actually are benefiting from that yield update? Very much so. And it's one of those things that uh, I don't like when people tell me I didn't have good years. So I'm not going to look at it. Uh, I'd really rather them at least send us the information and let us put it in and, and verify because what they aren't considering is that the county plug could be in some cases higher than the, uh, than the, than their data and they just don't realize it. So uh, what we've found is even though there is the, the payment calculation is a little bit different uh, this time that you mentioned earlier has the adjustment for, you know, how much have they increased in the past, but uh, really it's, it's been phenomenal uh, because of our partnership with FSA uh, nationally on, on getting the plugs, all the plugs in and putting them in our decision aids. It's been interesting to see one, they had to develop a lot of information there that, that may not have been available previously, but it has changed and people need to look at the yield update as i said earlier even if you're going to pick uh art county for this first two-year decision because uh, you never know when you're going to get another opportunity to do it that's right you know you're going to get to be able to choose again for the 21 and 22 and 23 crop years so i i think it's really important and thank you for for making that point so i i'd also just be interested what do you see in generally i mean we all kind of we all gauge our own behavior by what others are doing and and you probably see more uh uh, uh farmers who are making this decision or confronted by this decision what's kind of your sense of how things are going as between plc and arc and and joe even arc ic the individual uh arc choice uh which is which is the third option there's there's a lot of preconceived notions that certain policies are, are the best for a certain crop and and I I can see that and I'd be glad to kind of say you know most of the producers that I've dealt with on on seed cotton for example they're they're really you know that's PLC is is really the uh, preferred option but that doesn't mean it's it's the only option obviously our county might work as well or the arc individual might might be something they need to look at but. But overall, most of the crops have been kind of flipped as, as most people thought they would with uh, uh, pretty much wheat, sorghum, rice, seed cotton, and most of your small small grains and oil seeds going with PLC. The only question is, is what would, would uh, corn and soybean producers do? And that that's, you know, that's one of those deals where I don't want to tell someone what they should do. I have this big long conversation always about what do you want looking for in the safety net. I can make a pretty compelling argument that crop insurance for most people, uh, especially in the Midwest, uh, supplies a lot of your your yield protection right. and revenue protection for that matter. 
And, uh, you know, what you really need is some coverage against prices declining over over time. And, you know, that's that's an argument. And people could say, well, you know, I'm probably more likely to have a small yield loss and a small price decline, which are, would probably trigger then. And, and you know, everyone has a, a kind of notion of what they're trying to do. I always try to, to remind producers that this is the government safety net. This is the thing that's going to try to keep them. And, and over the, whatever it is, 32 or so years that I've been doing this now, uh, there have been times when the government provided what I would call more dollars. But the support in this particular program is, is, is very strong. But I would, I would say that it's kind of like uh, having to, you have to have a little bit bigger loss before the, the, the strong support kicks in uh, as opposed to previous farm bills. Um, so it's just one of those things, you know, I talked to soybean producers and they're, they don't think that, uh, uh, they think soybean prices are kind of floored where they are. So why would you pick PLC because it's a price deal, right. uh, it may not ever trigger. And my answer is just remember, just because the program doesn't trigger, doesn't mean it didn't provide you a safety net True enough. that if it's as long as it's standing there waiting to pay, then, uh, it's, it's going to help. But the, the biggest conversation that I've had recently has been on ARC individual. And I think nationwide under the last 14 farm bill, there wasn't that many acres enrolled in it. It is, it uses a producer's individual records instead of the county yield. Does a little bit different calculation on the uh, benchmark. And uh, primarily the biggest reason why most producers walked away from it would be because uh, in exchange for getting to use the producer yields, they use um, a 0.65 factor instead of a 0.85 payment factor, which means that you get paid on 65% of your base acres instead of 85% of your base acres as PLC and Art County does. And they'd have to have a heck of a payment to offset the reduction in the payment acres. And uh, everything was, you know, before we had all the loss this year, you could easily say that ARC individual wasn't going to be that big of a deal until we had all the prevented plant acres. Yeah. And with with prevented planting, I'm sure you've probably gone through this previously, but it has changed the game. And producers that had a, a whole farm that was pre- prevented plant really, really needs to look at ARC individual. Producers picking ARC IC without really much thought of prevent plant for 20 might go into 20 with a very very limited protection. Joe, I, I know there's a little bit of interaction uh, as between the farm program and crop insurance as well, uh, specifically with respect to SCO and in the case of cotton, even get, going beyond that a little bit with, with the old stacks program. Could you just touch on that to make sure that people are aware of, uh, of the interaction? I mean, generally, we've been working for years to make sure that farm programs and crop insurance complement each other. Um, but in the since 14, we've had this restriction between ARC and, and SEO. But could you just remind folks of that? If a producer chose PLC for the previous farm bill in this farm bill, uh, then you have the option of also adding supplemental coverage option, which to me is, is a perfect complement. Uh, and it covers most of the range that, that ARC already that would have covered. So I, I tell producers and, you know, this is an ag audience, so I'll just say it. But but when when the uh, government assistance on the premium subsidy is is so high for a product, 
then it really should encourage you to, I'm not going to say always buy it, but at least look very strongly at it. Because a lot of the losses we have in agriculture happen towards the top of the distribution. What does that mean? That means that if you generally thought you were going to raise 500-pound cotton, um, most of the losses in any given year are going to be somewhere around that 500-pound level. And if you have SEO that's purchased up to 86% down to wherever your buy-up starts, you've pretty much covered yourself for most of that area. Obviously, there's still a deductible area, but you've you've really closed that gap. And, and I've, we haven't hardly run any analysis where it wouldn't be worth the few dollars that the premium costs for uh, producers to at least look at that. And that's so to me, that's that's one that um, we, we, you need to get with your crop insurance agent and say, hey, at least run run the numbers and show me what what it would cost me to get this coverage. And then the second one on, on stacks, and that's the one that's the most political at this point because, uh, well, the farm bill when it was passed uh, since 18 had had uh, already well along started, uh, there was an opportunity to, to get to have stacks coverage and any uh, any any coverage uh, from PLC or ARC, and then the farm bill stated that you couldn't have both. For nine, beginning in 19, and that's something that's a little bit confusing for folks. Um, you can still have stacks, but you just can't have stacks in a PLC payment that year uh, on that farm. Uh, there's 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 lots of different um, alternatives and ways to do that, but the, but the big deal is there is an interaction. Um, just that uh, stacks is still a good product. It's still a, an area plan, just like SEO is. Uh, has a, a substantial assistance on on paying the premium from the government, and it's worth looking at. But uh, you know, there's a little bit of confusion right now over what you can have and when you can have it. And uh, I think we're going to have to get that worked through. But uh, still, two good products, and and the producers need to evaluate every opportunity they can because. I think we're going to get to in a little bit. The the price outlook for for most of our crops is just not very good. Yeah, I, I do want to get there, but just just for those who are less familiar with SEO, it it covers uh, where ARC covers like eighty six down to seventy six percent of the county average revenue. SEO is that same eighty six threshold, correct? But it just goes all the way down to whatever underlying level of crop insurance you buy. Um, and uh, right, so if you're at a seventy percent coverage, it would cover from eighty six to seventy, yeah, and yeah. really fill in that hole. And so you'd have revenue insurance from your, from most people are revenue insurance these days. Right. So you'd have a revenue policy, and then you'd have a area revenue policy setting on top of it, and then you'd have uh, price loss coverage um, covering against these price declines and so really in terms of the the safety net from the government it would be about the strongest you could get okay that, that's helpful so let's talk this is the burning question on everyone's mind what is 2020 going to bring what's it going to look like uh with the china phase one trade deal with usmca is there a good prospect for an elevation in prices after six to seven years in the doldrums Joe, you're the finest economist I know. I want you to bring us some good news, but 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 what do you see and what are you thinking out there? What what does the future hold for us? Well, again, you really set me up with those nice words for me to say that what I'm going to say. But um, 
when you when you get into looking at at what world prices are going to be, and really we're in a world market where for every crop we raise, and you start thinking about where it, what is going to happen that's going to cause world prices to increase, which will lead to us having higher prices. Um, the the most recent examples have been when China did come into a market, it matters. And, and in, when they come in and buy, it matters. It makes a difference on the, our prices as well as world prices. And then, two, it's a, a thing like ethanol where there's no there's no question ethanol rose, what is it, uh, rising tide raises all ships type thing. Yes. Across the board, U.S. agriculture was better off when we had that brand new use of corn go in and, and start drawing corn stocks down and we use that corn to turn it into fuel. So the question I have for anyone who asked me to be favorable about 2020 is there isn't another ethanol on the horizon. Maybe there will be one day, but there isn't right now. So it kind of leaves everything to China in terms of will they do what they've committed to do with crops that matter and buy from us and have that big of a difference. They certainly can. And, um, you know, I know the market right now, the futures market is not impressed with the deal so far. That doesn't mean it can't change. But um, if they will come into the, one of the markets and buy, uh, then then you, uh, you will see prices uh, have uptick. But uh, until then, uh, the, the the story of the day for agriculture is, at least for producers' sake, is to take advantage of price increases, whether they're real or perceived. If the market's running up and you can do something to lock in a price that gets above your break-even, you would be well well advised to do that on at least a portion of your crop because I, I, I always hearken back to where we were before the 18 farm bill was passed, the CBO's baseline, which they're as good as anyone, um, their baseline was basically flat prices at a little bit higher levels than we're at right now for soybeans and a little bit um, lower levels than we're at right now for corn. And so what I would ask you this is, that was before China fell apart and we had all these trade disputes. So if, Congressional Budget Office, who's never very far away from USDA's projections, and they're never very far away from Fapper, Missouri projections, if they all thought flat prices and not at great levels before China, then getting China back shouldn't really give us that big boost that a lot of people are hoping for. It doesn't mean I, it couldn't happen. It just means that there isn't a long-term reason for it to be um, sustainable at this point. You could have a spike, and that's what I'm saying, take advantage of it. Yeah, but I, um, that's a tough deal, Chance. Yeah, so so you'd say if, if they see pricing opportunities uh, that that are anywhere close to or or, uh, or above their cost production, seize those. Absolutely. My, my example is I've done, I don't know how many meetings, but I've asked everyone that I know that grows corn if they took advantage of the 450 bump in futures last summer, and I've only found one person that did. And and all I'm saying is I don't know if we're going to get another 450 bump sometime that would be well above cost of production or even a little bit above the cost of production. But we need to 
to get it in our mind to take advantage of that on at least a portion of a crop. That, that makes perfect sense. And then, and then also, as, as you mentioned on the farm programs, obviously be smart, look at the yield update, look at, look at all the, all the tools that are there and make the best choices for your operation. Joe, I think this gets us to the other big question though. And there's been some things written about this in the last few weeks. I'd love to hear your opinion. So prices remain low or, or remain at this kind of, uh, these doldrums or this kind of static uh, marginal uh, to low position. Um, we've now have a, had a precedent of, of $25 uh, billion in additional uh, above and beyond the farm bill, above and beyond crop insurance assistance provided through the MFP one or the MFP two. If prices stay low, what do you think? Um, is is there going to be a third round of MFP? Should producers think about that? Uh, um, is it something that would be reasonable? If you were chief economist, maybe I should ask you this way: If you were advising the secretary on this right now, as part of his uh, 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 kitchen cabinet, uh, do you think it's it's good policy at this point to, to to stand by producers again, replicate those MFP programs if the prices stay? Uh, kind of in this lower range. Yeah, I, I believe so. And, and it, it, it's one of those situations where uh, I know there's critics that say we've spent too much and this and that, but, but the fact of the matter is the amount of protection that $25 billion in trade aid has, has given uh, the farm sector is, is tremendous. When you look at the, the gross production, uh, the, the gross value of production in this country, uh, we're spending quite a bit of money, $25 billion to any individual, but uh, in the scheme of things, it is a, a pennies on the dollar in terms of what it's for, for protecting. Uh, we can say that, that uh, there are those that would say that we need to allow the market to work, and, and that's a really nice way for uh, let's let people go out of business and potentially prices will rise. And, and I don't really buy that argument either because we've got production coming in in South America and Ukraine that that uh, either they're lower cost than we are or they're getting higher subsidies than we are because there's no reason to be adding production with the prices where we're at. So it makes it begs the question, do we just want to leave our farmers hanging, blowing in the wind, or we want to provide a significant amount of protection? So uh, given what you said, if, if we go into the next couple of months and prices haven't significantly started moving up, uh, for our major crops, it is not, it would not be, I would not hesitate to pull the trigger and, and assure the uh, U.S. farm sector that uh, if I was the secretary that I was going to uh, provide that protection again this year. So Joe, we should, we should wrap this up. You're such an asset, you know, know so much, but any kind of just final thoughts as, as producers are going into 2020, looking back at the ARC PLC decision for 2019 and 2020, uh, and then going forward, and and you know, WIP plus other things that are on the uh, on the table. There are crop insurance choices that are about to be in front of them uh, with a March 15th sales closing date for most of the nation. Some some of the southern states will be earlier than that, but lots on the table here. Any just kind of final words of advice as we go into 2020? You know, I guess just to kind of take a step back and think about how blessed we are to have the programs we have. Uh, while we maybe we can say uh, 
that the uh, farm bills aren't providing as much support as they were during when you were on the on the hill. I'm not going to argue that. I'm just going to say we have strong safety net between crop insurance and Title One FSA programs. I just think at this point in time that uh, they've become very very important to remember. You can have a safety net uh, even though you didn't get a payment because it's there to help you when things go really really wrong. And uh, just remember that they've got to make those good decisions so their farm is as protected as possible. Joe, that is great stuff. And I can't tell you how much we appreciate all you do for U.S. agriculture and the advice that you give to farmers and, and to lawmakers. You know, it's to bring a, a world of expertise. We're truly grateful. That's going to do it for this episode of Groundwork. We hope you join us next month. I'm Tom Sell.